I remember after paying all the bills and getting grocery and gas for the for the, that period of time, having eight dollars left in our account to make it till the next payday. You know, I remember. I remember those days, and so yeah, we've never made above seventy-five thousand a year combined um, with ra- raising a family of five. You're listening to the Millionaires Unveiled podcast, where you'll hear the stories and interviews of everyday millionaires. We'll unveil their decisions, their strategies, and their current portfolio allocation. Now to your hosts. Clark Sheffield and Jace Mattinson. Alrighty, welcome back to another episode of the Millionaires Unveiled Podcast, episode 187. This is Clark here with my co-host Jace. Jace, what's going on? Not a whole lot, man. What's going on with you? Not much. Did you get your taxes filed on time? No, nah, man. I filed Extended an extension. Seventeenth, so just last week, you did. Yeah, I need to file an extension. I'm, I'm getting on the path of filing extension almost every year. It's just you know getting the K ones in and. He's trying to get it all together. There's always so much going on this time of year and just, you know, I file an extension. <laughs> well, I tried not to. if you, you owe taxes if you don't get everything? So, I try to get a, yeah. a bunch of it kind of done and then just some of the loose ends just, especially this year with some K, a couple K1s, they just didn't get put in. So, I figure I'm pretty close. You know, if I'm off by a grand or two, it's not the end of the world. Or if I overpaid a little bit, it's not the end of the world, too. I mean, as long as I'm within a few grand, I'm happy. What about you? I did. I did. I was just waiting on a final thing and got it, filed it, all done. There you kind go, of man. Kind a good feeling to have that done. Yeah, no, I was really trying really hard, but I just had a bunch of other stuff on my plate. So, I just didn't, just didn't get to it. So... It is what it is, but been watching all the cryptos drop like a rock lately. Oh, yeah, totally. And you have some. I don't have any crypto holdings. I do have some crypto, but I'll tell you what, it hasn't been dropping. I mean, there's a bunch on sale and I've been buying some, so. You're going to sell it or hold it? Nah, I mean, I'm holding for the long term. I I mean, one, it just kind of started as I was playing around, right? Some of the stuff I bought when it was pennies. So it's like until it goes Doge back. <laughs> yeah, my Dogecoin had. <laughs> yeah, I got some Dogecoin. I do. I bought it when it was pennies. And I bought it a little bit more as it kind of went up to 10, 11 cents. And then I bought a little bit since then when it was at 30. But yeah, I just. And now it's what, like 42? Yeah, I think it's 40 something. It went up to 60 or 70 and then dropped back down in 30s, 40s. I don't know. It's wherever. It's just one of those things that I think it's fun to play with a little bit. And I do think there is a future in in an alternative means of the way we transact, whether it's crypto or the blockchain or something similar. I mean, I think, you know, some of these private equity investments, I mean, there's a couple of kids we went to school with, right? They've got a hundred million dollar funding round for their company. That's basically going to be software to track this stuff, you know? So there's a lot smarter people out there than I am chasing some of this and, and risking a little bit. I just figure I can probably risk a little bit and see where it goes. So that's what I did. Yeah. I missed out on Bitcoin in a lot of ways where I didn't, buy it back when I kind of discovered it and part of it was trying to figure out how to buy it but I wasn't smart enough to mine it so (laughs) (laughs) couldn't buy it on Robinhood Robinhood didn't exist but now it's back down to like 40,000 yeah now I mean what percentage of cryptocurrency is owned Robinhood oh I don't know it's got to be substantial I mean between them and Coinbase it's like that's really I mean those dominate the wallets at least in the United States I mean outside there's there's some more but 
you know, there's cryptos made several billionaires at this point too. Billionaire in crypto, which, you know, how do you, how do you quantify unless they actually totally sold it or whatever. But it's, you know, it's a little speculative, I'll admit, but I like having it. I've got some in all of it. Litecoin, your Ethereum, Bitcoin, Doge. Yeah, I just did a quick Google search. What what percent of crypto is held on Robinhood, but got nothing. Yeah, I'm sure it's hard for them to so probably 9.5 come up. million customers, though, on Robinhood. 9.5 million people. That's pretty a crazy. lot. And pretty crazy that that came in when, I mean, everything was already easy at Fidelity and Vanguard, right? I mean, you could buy any totally. stuff on those, right? And you're, yeah, on an app in your phone. And then, yep. I don't, candidly, I don't really know what they did, though. So that was much better. You know, I think part of it is that that millennial generation of clicking and buying at the swipe of a button and swiping up and you know they they did a great job on their marketing where you basically got a free stock for Just sharing the simplicity right? yeah simplicity you swipe oh up, yeah yeah you know yeah. i mean that's that's a huge deal right when millennials are on their phones they swipe up buy a stock it's like super easy super simple they also funded on margin a lot and and they also gave you funds in your account before it even funded so you could trade it you could sign up and trade a stock before you even technically had funded your account whereas you know those brokerage houses it's just like Three days. Wait for it to settle. Yeah. What was your free stock when you signed up? You remember? Oh, I freak out. I don't know. I'd have to look. I can't remember what mine was. It was like $2, though. You still hold it? Yeah, I do. <laughs> CPRX. <laughs> I got one share. You're free, you're free Robinhood? Yeah, $5.65. It's C, C Catalyst it? Pharmaceuticals. <laughs> I don't know anything about the company, but I got one share that I got for Robinhood. It's $5.63. And it's probably up since you bought it. Since I got it, yes, it is actually quite a bit. It's almost doubled. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. The market cap right, on it's five hundred twenty-five uh, million. Say it it's again. Not, the, the market cap's five hundred twenty-five million. It's not bad. All right, let's jump in here to a quick uh, episode recap and, and intro for this week. So, intro for this week, we have Sherry. She's self-employed, net worth of a million dollars, has seven rental properties in a small business, and also does quite a lot of work for a nonprofit. So, fun interview with her. Last week, we had Mr. Nomad. He's French. He's been traveling the world full time since 2018, spending about thirty to forty thousand dollars a year while doing it. So, interesting perspective from him. Net worth of one point two. Uh, he's got about 20% real estate, 65% in equities. So good, good, good interview with him and, and different perspective. Somebody that's traveling full time, spending $40,000 a year. Uh, we have a new website up. If you haven't seen it, check it out. You can engage with millionaires, ask questions, leave comments to, to their interviews. Uh, I think some people write in questions to us or, Hey, can I get engaged with this millionaire? Now you can. Um, when we launch the, each episode, we'll put that online and people can go engage with, with millionaires. Also, you can ask a question via SpeakPipe where you can record an interview or a, a question and we'll play it in to the show, to the intro here or during the interview. And you can connect and ask one of the millionaires questions. So check out the website. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. And without any further delay, let's get into today's interview with Sherry. Sherry, do you want to just give us a little bit about your background and what you're up to now? So I am self-employed. Uh, my husband and I own a business called First Impressions Home and Property Preparation. And um, we maintain homes for people, senior citizens and uh, realtors and that sort of thing. Um, I am also a co-founder of Siggy's Musical Garden, which is a nonprofit here in the Twin Ports. And our mission is to spread joy through music and art to the Twin Ports 
area. Uh, we started that a couple of years ago, and um, we've been able to provide 19 music performances to local assisted living facilities in the area during this pandemic time. So, um, yeah, and that's, I mean, as far as my work-wise, that's, that's what I do. Awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So we're going to get into a little bit of your story and, and how you got into the business you're in and, and your nonprofit. That's that's phenomenal. But what is your net worth today? Uh, my net worth is um, $1,020,000 today. <laughs> and how is that broken up? Uh, let's see. We have uh, 374000 in traditional and Roth IRAs. I mean, do you want me to break it down like as far as um, most of it's in the total stock market index fund uh, at Vanguard. We have yeah that three hundred seventy four thousand in Roth IRAs and traditional IRAs invested in the total stock market index fund, basically. And we have six hundred thirty nine thousand five hundred in equity from nine properties that we own here in the area. Wow, that's pretty phenomenal. So let's back up here. The the money that you have invested in in the market. Was that from previous employers' 401k plans, or did you put some of that into a raw traditional outside of employer 401k plans? How did that come about? So, yeah. So, through my husband's had a 401k at three of his past positions when he did work for other people. We rolled that money over into a traditional IRA. And then about 10, well, it was in 2000. Nine or 2010, when we opened, we both opened a Roth IRA and started contributing to that and maxing that out every year. So, so we have, yeah, about two hundred thousand in a Roth IRA and one hundred and seventy-seven thousand in a traditional IRA. Okay, and was that something that that he did from the very beginning of when he was? working with those companies or did that somewhat evolve over time as he kind of progressed in his career? Um, as soon as he was off, as soon as he was able to, I think in his first job, um, they started him out on a pension and, and then they gave him the option to opt out when they decided to go with a 401k plan in, instead of the pension. And he could have got a payout at that time, but he, he decided to roll it over into the 401k. And he was surprised that a lot of his coworkers didn't at that time and found that interesting. But yeah, but he he always invested in the 401k plans that his company that the companies he worked for offered. Awesome. So as you started this journey, at some point you decided to to get into real estate. What was that like, and what was that transition of moving into investing in real estate and, and obtaining rentals? So we started right from, we were married young. I was 19 and my husband was 23. And um, the first four years of marriage, you know, you're just trying to figure things out. Um, I was a full-time student going to college and we were having our first child, you know, the same year that we were married. My grandparents had um, lived in their primary residence, and but they still owned uh, my father's the house that he he was born in, and they also owned my owned my great grandparents. We were able to rent both of those houses throughout the four years that, um, and then after those four years, 
after seeing how we maintained them and my grandma and grandpa were ready to get out of the rental business, they had offered for us to purchase those first two on a land contract. And so we did that in 1998. And a couple of years later, my grandpa went into the nursing home. My grandma was living at her primary residence and it was too big for her at that time. So she decided she wanted to just rent a side-by-side duplex one level. And she offered for us to purchase that one as well on a land contract. So we purchased our first three uh, properties on a land contract, one as a primary residence and two rental properties. Will you just explain that? What does that mean for somebody that's not familiar? Oh, a land contract? It's a contract for deed. So, So we... Basically, it's rent to own kind of thing. Um, you you don't have to have any money down. You know, you, we went to an attorney's office. He drew up the paperwork for the contract, and we had a 15-year mortgage I, I, that we paid directly to my grandparents during that so time. You, so for the houses that you – you said three houses like this, right? Yes. So the for first, the houses that you weren't living in, I assume – were you living in one and renting out the other two? So you would rent them out, they'd pay you, and then you'd basically go pay your grandparents to help pay down the, the contract amount or the purchase amount. Right, right. All right. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. Keep going. Oh, yeah. No. And then um, the next property that we bought, you know, and then we, after we started getting our footing in the rental um, business, we started looking on our own and we took out our first mortgage. I actually just went to a, an estate sale. I was big into rummage selling because it was a good way for me to save money when I we have three young kids and our income was not ever very high. So anyway, I went to an estate sale and the house was, you know, in need of some cosmetic work on the outside the and things. But I when I went inside, I was like, oh, wow, this is a really structurally good looking house that was well maintained. It was an older house, probably early 1900s, and but it looked like it was a house that would be in our price range. And I had talked to the person who was putting on the uh, the sister of the homeowner, and she told me who the realtor was. And I told my husband about it, and I said, I think this is one that we could afford to buy, and it would be a good investment. It had a nice nice lot and a garage, and we knew that we could afford that one, so we uh, went ahead and purchased. Or contacted the realtor and purchased that one through a regular mortgage. Wow. Um, so let me let me just back up. So how? Okay. So you got married. You were nineteen. You said your husband twenty three. How mm-hmm. long until you bought your first home, first property? Aside from the land contracts. Or? Yeah. Or let's start. I, I guess with the land contract. So okay. The land contracts we purchased those roughly four to five years after we were married. So we. Yeah, we got married in 1993. We purchased those in 98 and 2000 on the land contract. And then our next property was probably 2007, I want to say, was when we started purchasing properties through the bank. Yeah. And so let me just jump back to your allocation here. So you have about 650 in real estate, right? 639 or so. Mm-hmm. How much of that? Is equity in your primary home versus equity in the rentals? Um, so our primary residence, one hundred and thirty-nine thousand of that is in our primary residence, and then the rest is equity in our rentals. 
Okay, nice. So is is the are these land contracts something that's still doable, still attainable? Do you still do them? Do you hear of other people doing them? Because, um, I mean, you don't hear can, about them as much, right? It's just buying a rental. Right. Um, you know, I mean, we, we paid them off in 15 years. So, we, yeah, they've been paid off for a while, the, our three land contracts. And, yeah, you don't hear about it very often. And I suppose it it's something that happens between family members more often than it does, you know, because you had, there has to be a trust factor that they're going to. Sure, sure. You know, and how how was the price? A fair price? I mean, market rate or? Actually, they, yeah. I mean, I we purchased them at the tax assessed value. So, I mean, it was a little lower than, than the market rate, you know. But um, at the time in 1998, the interest rate on houses was 7%. So, I mean, it, <laughs> <laughs> we paid, yeah. quite, you know, quite a bit for the properties, which. Yeah. So yeah. how many, so you said seven seven homes, right? Or is that seven rental properties? We have seven rental properties, our primary residence, and then we have a little house that we inherited in, in uh, North Dakota where, where it's just used for hunting once once. Yeah, yeah. Once okay, so, so seven rental properties. How many of those seven are paid off? We have of the rental properties, we have our primary residence paid off, and then we have two rental properties paid off, and we have mortgages on five of them. And we intend to have all of our mortgages paid off in five and a half years. So um, Wow, that's coming up here pretty quick. Yeah. So our last house we bought in or two years ago this September. And so that one will be paid off in seven and a half years rather than the 15 year, even though we took out a 15 year mortgage. Yeah. So let's talk about that 15 versus 30 year. Did you take out 15 years on all of them? Yep. And could the cash flow from those that you rented out cover the mortgage or did you have to subsidize some of them? Nope. Uh, well, maybe, I don't even know, maybe early on a little bit, but no, actually, no. They they covered the the expenses for those houses and actually our mortgage, the rental did. But I mean, we wow. we, we didn't rely on on our rentals and we still don't rely on our rentals for income because anything that we make from the rentals we invest back into the rentals, whether that is, you know, we we set aside a certain amount for improvements and repairs. And then we also s- invest back into the principal of the mortgages so we can get them paid off faster. Yeah. So so how much do you net? I mean, I know you throw it back in, like you just said, but how much do you net now from the properties a month after mortgage payments? After mortgage payments, I guess eighteen thousand five hundred and seventy-five dollars. Eighteen five seventy-five is is the total rents or what you net? Or no, what we net um, after if if we, I mean, yeah, that's the money that we we would contribute back into. I don't know. I, I'm just that's. I was looking at my taxes and I figured out for each property. So how much does how much does each home rent for? Just to give okay. an idea. Oh. Sure, sure, sure. Um, our first property, let's see, that one is at nine twenty-five, and our second property is at six fifty. Next property is at eight fifty, and then nine hundred. Let's see, this one is eleven, or sorry, ten fifty. Oh no, sorry, eleven fifty for that one. The next one is nine fifty, and 900 for the last one. 
Okay, great. So you're at just over about 6000 of rental income a month. Mm-hmm. And then you pay down some of the mortgages and you reinvest the other. So when these are all reinvest, or help, I guess, reinvest, meaning take the additional income and throw it at the mortgages that you still have. So when this is when this is all paid off in five and a half years or so, that's your goal, right? Then you'll be at, you guys will be at over 6000 a month in rental income, right? 72 grand a year? Yeah, yeah. It's, yep, I think it actually... And then it, my my husband also rents. I, well, I guess he pays the utilities at one of the rental properties because one of the properties we bought, it, it has two garages and one's like a workshop garage. So he mm-hmm. pays, he pays the utilities for that residence. So that um, I guess that's another three twenty five that you could. Yeah. And what's the uh, what's the price range? Just I mean, type of homes. I'm sure is it like hundred thousand dollar homes, two hundred, three hundred? How much are these worth on average? About. Are they all about the same type of property? Well, some are a little nicer than others. Uh, our first property is worth one hundred and fifteen thousand. Second one is sixty thousand. The next one is eighty thousand. The next two are about around the eighty thousand dollar price range. Then the next one's one hundred and thirty five thousand, and then we have one that's ninety three thousand and one that's eighty five thousand. Wow. Okay. So about around like eighty to one twenty five ish. Mm-hmm. in that range wow good yep. for you guys and do you self-manage all of these yourself uh yep yep we do all of the management ourselves and we've had we've had some learning experience <laughs> that's, what <I> was, <laughs> that's what i was gonna ask is you yeah. probably have some stories yeah yeah the first five years you know especially when you're first getting into it and you know you don't you need to keep them full because you don't have that extra income to to you know have the luxury right. of Open until you find the best tenants that are the best suited. And so, yeah, we've had a couple learning experiences with that. But Is there one that stands out? Well, the time that we had to rent a dumpster and, and clear out a house because they just left a ton of things after we had evicted them mm. because they weren't paying rent and... And that sort of thing. So, so yeah, that one that one stands out the most. But but yeah, we've gotten smarter over the years, and it's okay if it sits vacant now for a month while we wait for the right tenant. To Find the right out. tenant, right, right. So yeah. you bought three from these purchase agreements, right? Mm-hmm. And then the other four, did you just the other deals you bought, or how did you find those? Uh, yep, they're just I I always keep an eye on the. I have the realtor app on my phone. And so I always I always keep an eye, eye on what's going on in the market and and you know, it's especially when we get to the point where we have enough to put, you know, a twenty percent down payment on something. Then I really start, you know, scoping out what the market is around here and what things are going for. And I I look to buy houses that are basically on sale, you know, and Right, right. Yeah. And so do you want to keep buying or seven enough? I, well, we always, we've said, you know, before we bought the last two, we're like, oh, I think we're, <laughs> <laughs> I think we're done. Yeah, exactly. Four was oh, enough. Yeah. So, something else comes along and then we end up, end up purchasing. But yeah, it feels like we're done because I mean, I think, you know, in 20 years, we're going to have to start unloading these properties and. And we also want to make sure that we can maintain them and put on a new roof and and, right. and that kind of thing. So yeah, you hold it for twenty five years. It's going to have some some bigger repairs, right? Yeah, I mean, and we, and we we have been really good about upkeeping our properties because that that's that's important to 
us. I mean, one, we want to keep the community that we live in a nice place to live. And sure. we don't want to rent something that we wouldn't feel comfortable living in ourselves. So that's always been our mission to keep our houses in good good order. And, and then you get a better draw of tenants as well. So Yeah, good for you guys. So is the goal in retirement to live off of this all this rent collected and these paid for houses i assume so yes i mean to, to a, a point yeah um and I, th- I think we'll still continue with our business and just scale down throughout the years you know as things get paid off and and as we make up make all the improvements that need to be done on these properties you know I, because i mean some of that money even when the mortgages get paid off. We'll, we'll probably want to do more major renovations to to make them um, more sellable and and just right, right, more appealing. Yeah. So how did you? So you bought these first three off the, the lease to own, right? How did you buy the other four? You mentioned you you said your income was never very high. What was the range of of your guys's working or your household income? So yeah, we've never made above seventy five thousand a year combined um, with ra- raising a family of five. So I, I mean, it, it's basically, I mean, it, it, we just worked really hard at putting our money towards things that were going to help make us money. I guess is is what. Well, th- I mean, that's amazing, Sherry. Right? Mm-hmm. Household income seventy five, and now you guys own eight homes, seven mm-hmm. rentals, and one primary residence. Yeah. Yeah. Good for um, you guys. It's amazing. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. I mean, a lot of it, I mean, came from just my grandparents, you know, in giving us that opportunity because I don't think we would have ever entered the rental business had that not happened. And that was. Yeah. But you still bought four on your own or five rather, right? We got five on our own. Yeah. Because we have our, pri- our primary res- residence is still my grandparents. Yeah. Yeah. So let's dive into your story a little, Sherry. We've talked about the net worth and the allocation and some of the real estate. How did how did this come to be? You mentioned you were married at 19, husband was 23, you were going through school. I assume you both got jobs, started working, right? You had the house home about 75,000. And and then what happened? You decided to become unemployed, but or not unemployed. You decided <laughs> to become self-employed, right? Yeah. So walk us through your story a little bit. Sure. So my, at the time, so we started out both in the restaurant business. I was a server. My husband was, was an assistant kitchen manager working at a rest at the same restaurant. And he worked his way up to being general manager at that location. But it was getting to the point where our kids were having, or were involved in sports and stuff. And he was missing a lot because he worked, he had to work on weekends because that's when restaurants are busiest. So he had the opportunity to leave that job and get a job for a local coffee distributor here in the area. And so he would have weekends off to spend with our kids. He did that for a while. And then he that business sold out and he decided to, rather than stay with the company it sold to, he moved to a different route job and hated it. He felt like he was putting his good name on the line because their reputation, I mean, just things, things weren't managed properly. And he'd have to go into businesses looking like mud because he wasn't given the product that he needed to deliver to these people. And during that time, his parents were falling ill, his dad passed away first, and he was kind of the main caregiver of of his parents. And then, uh, so his mother needed more 
attending to. So we, you know, we were the only ones living in this area. His brother and sister were outside of town. So we did, we had, had to pick up the slack there while also managing a household and jobs and that sort of thing. So when his mom passed away about a year and a half later, and he was still working the route job, plus trying to get the house ready for sale, clean it out. He's like, there's a need for something like this. I mean, and and we decided to take a course on starting a business over at our local university and started an LLC. And he went out and used his skills that he learned from both being a general manager and being in sales and went out and got some business from some of our local residents. And then he didn't even have to try after that because his word of mouth or the word of mouth spread and he started picking up clients. So during that time, um, I was working two jobs for like, you know, two years while he was starting to establish the business. And as you know, he's, he started earning more money, I was able to step back and, and work a little less. So then his, the clients that he had were asking him for things that I could do. Like, they're like, well, do you know anybody that does any house cleaning? Or he'd have interior paint jobs that he couldn't get to right away. But he knew, he knew that from all the rentals that we've had over the years, we've always done all the painting and repairs. And he knew that I was very well capable of doing that. So I ended up taking on the interior painting and the home cleaning of residentials in the area. Wow, sure. That's pretty phenomenal. Quite the American success story going from working in the restaurant space to changing jobs to then going off and starting your own business to now becoming 100% self-employed. Congrats mm-hmm. and, and kudos to y'all. It's pretty amazing and inspiring okay. for sure. So as you've gone on this journey, you, you've built up this net worth. You've had all sorts of experiences, whether it's been, you know, employed for somebody else or self-employed, built real estate portfolio, have market investments. Where do you go from here? Do you have a goal out there in terms of passive income or or net worth that you're really trying to hit? Or is there something else? Yeah, I would say our goal of net worth is probably, you know, 1.9 million or something, you know, so we... just because I've kind of done the numbers where, you know, 1.7 million would be, would be a good place to retire, you know, having that. Yeah. I, well, I, what I see is in the next, yeah, I, I we're, we're going to keep building our, our work, our net worth probably for the next 10 years. So, and then we'll see where we're at. Then, or if we decide to scale back as our rentals get paid off in five years, we might do that as well. Yeah, totally. Is there certain experiences or, or things that you're looking forward to as you kind of move into that phase of life? Yeah, um, we are, as you know, we're in northern Minnesota, or northern Wisconsin here, um, right on the border of Minnesota and Wisconsin. And our winters are not the best. So I do think that we'll spend a, at least January and February somewhere where it's a little bit warmer every year. That's that's our goal. Not sure where that will be, but but yeah, we definitely want to get out of the harsh cold climate here, where it's thirty below in the in the winter time sometimes. Yeah, totally. When when you had your your mortgage on your primary residence, was that a fifteen year as well? Yes. Yep. All of our mortgages we've always carried fifteen years. Well, why did you choose fifteen versus a thirty year? 
because I knew that we'd pay less in the long run, uh, even though it was harder, you know, it was a bigger payment. So, you know, we'd have to struggle a little more. We always end up, you know, getting them paid off sooner and pay less in interest over the term of the loan. Yeah, totally. So when you moved careers or made that switch going to self-employment, were you nervous at all? Were you thinking second thoughts like, what What am I going to do if this doesn't work out? Or was it just full board, I'm going to make this work no matter what? Well, I, yeah, I mean, I think it was full board, we're going to make this work no matter what. And I mean, a lot of that, my husband's always been one to persevere. So I mean, I and he was plenty capable of of doing home home repairs and stuff. So it, that made it easier. I mean, I, as far as the family income, that he was a main breadwinner for a number of years while I was going to school and um, and taking care of the kids. And it was time that I had to step up. I worked two jobs and I worked, you know, I picked up extra shifts so that he didn't have to worry about making income during that time. If, if, he, if he wasn't busy, he was still trying to establish himself. But uh, yeah, so it was a it was a busy couple of years for me while he was getting established, and then I was able to ease up a little bit, and then he got to the point where he needed my help back in in the business, and I was able to leave my place of employment to help him with our business that we created. Yeah, wow, and good for you guys. Now you've built it up together and, and work as a team on it, so it's pretty awesome. Looking back, Sherry. Did you guys worry about money along the way? Yeah, yeah, of course. We, we, yeah, well, especially in those first four years of marriage when you're really trying to figure it out, plus you're, you know, right, right. Having kids, I remember, I remember after paying all the bills and getting grocery and gas for the, for that period of time, having $8 left in our account to make it till the next payday, you know, I remember. I remember those days. And so, yeah, um, definitely knew the struggle. And, and even through the years, you know, we, yeah, we always lived off of a, but we always figured out ways to save money. And, you know, my husband's good at house repairs, so we didn't go out and buy new. We'd fix what we had and, you know, a lot of that things. And like I said, I garage sales for kids clothes and, and, you know, I still, I still don't like to buy. <laughs> buy new. Right. It's kind of instilled in you now, right? Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. Do you think you worried too much now, looking back and being a millionaire? I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't think so. No, because I mean, one of my one of the fears that I had came from my mom. I, I went to school for elementary education, and I I found out that I hated teaching, <laughs> so I I didn't uh, pursue that career. And my mom was like, <laughs> what, are, "What are you going to do for?" You know, you don't have a pension. You can't get a. You have a pension with serving or whatever. And that's when it was like, oh, okay, yeah, we need to figure out alternatives to to what we're going to do instead of a pension or 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 whatever. And so, I mean, to have a four hundred one k, but I mean, I wasn't confident that that was going to be enough. So, I mean, building our rental portfolio and that was important to us and our business is yeah was, yeah yeah. Yeah, of course. So let's jump into some rapid fire questions here, Sherry. What's been the most expensive car you guys have ever purchased? Mm, Well, we bought our 2006 
Forerunner. That was the most expensive one that we spent money on, and I think that was 18000 back in 2008. Okay. And do you buy used or new? Used. Okay. What about a uh, most expensive pair of shoes? <laughs> well, probably $120. I, I was a runner for a time, so I spent, I spent qual- money on quality shoes and I still do because, I mean, your feet are important. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, most ex- Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I say for functionality purposes, not for, you know, um, design anyway. Yeah. Uh, most expensive meal out that you've personally paid for? Mm, well, probably $120 for the two of us. Okay. Um, if you're comfortable sharing, how old were you when you became a millionaire? Uh, 45. Okay. Um, we talked about retirement age or net worth a little bit. Have you ever used a financial advisor? No, but I did rely on people that knew something about finance to help me out. Like we, when I was serving, you know, we had some regulars that came into the restaurant and, um, there was a couple of old retired uh, college professors that I would pick pick their brains a little bit, especially when it came to starting our, our Roth IRAs and rolling over our money from 401ks. Any books or websites, anything that's or, or blogs or tech tools, finance tools that have been beneficial to you? Um, yeah, I mean, I've definitely been following a lot of things that like Rockstar Finance back when it was called BATS and um and J Money and and Mr. Money Mustache books, you know, I've I've read it started out with Susie Orman like years mm-hmm. ago. Mm-hmm. I first started read my first finance book, but you know, since then I've read many others that that were more helpful to myself. Yeah. Did you guys did you have debt along the way besides the real estate? Did you have student loans, credit cards, car loans, any other debt? Car loans. I mean, we had one one car loan, I think, is, is what we've taken out. All the rest, we... Oh, no, we've had probably three car loans in the history of our marriage, I suppose. But credit card debt, no, we never carried. We always paid our, our credit card at the end of the month. Um, student loan, because we... We're low income when I was going to school. I got I qualified for some grants and financial aid and my grandparents had a college fund set aside for me to, to help with the expenses of college. So I, I graduated debt free from college, which is good. Nice. Good for you. Good for yeah. you. We don't have yeah, we didn't have any other debt besides the mortgages and you know, regular bills. But. Right, right. Do people know whether it's friends or family or neighbors? Do they know you're a millionaire? Do they know you're wealthy? No, no. I actually told my son that I was doing this uh, <laughs> podcast. <laughs> He's like, "What?" I'm like, "Yeah." I'm like, I, "We just we recently made millionaire status, so he just, he just wasn't aware of that." But he's come to me for financial advice on. He just started a job last year and he's come. Oh, nice. Come, he listens to his mom, which is good. And he's, he's, he'll be a millionaire long before I was. So, yeah, because you guys seem like the millionaire next door type of people. Yeah. Just from, just from chatting with you before and, and now. So, just in closing here, what does it mean to be happy and fulfilled to you? And has this money uh, brought it to you along the way? So, yeah, family is definitely most important to me. And, well, now my my new passion is uh, Siggy's Musical Garden, which is the nonprofit that I've been in, and when that's bringing 
joy and fulfillment to our community through music. So those and that I've done the most work for that I've ever done on anything and don't get paid a penny for. So it's not the most financial, <laughs> the financially savvy thing, but um, it's definitely, definitely been rewarding. Brought a sense of security. I mean, like, like it, it takes, yeah, I, I would say there's, you know, some sort of fulfillment in having the security that you don't have to worry about what you're going to do in the next week, you know, when you run out of money or whatever. So I don't. Right. Know. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So Sherry, just looking back now here in closing, any words of advice, any mistakes you wish you wouldn't have made or any advice to somebody, maybe, maybe to your son, right? What do you tell him when he asks for financial advice? Start, <laughs> start investing early because you know, the, the earlier you can get on that, you know, and invest like my first, book I, I read I think that they said only invest 10% of you know you're, you if you invest like 4 to 10% or whatever you can retire comfortably well I, I didn't know that you could get there faster if you <laughs> if you put invested more into things so I guess investing all you can but still have enough to you know provide comfort and and have a happy life I suppose yeah. Yeah. Great answer. So thanks, Sherry, for coming on. Really appreciate it. Net worth of over a million, seven rentals, right? Eight eight properties, really nine, if you count the yeah. hunting cabin <laughs> in, yeah. in Montana. Um, never had household income over 75, right? Is that true with the small business as well? Yes. Yep. Wow. Yep. Wow. Amazing story. So thanks for coming on. Thanks for sharing it. Uh, really appreciate it. Oh, well, thank you. you very much. Thanks, Sherry. Thanks for listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast with Clark Sheffield and Chase Mantinson. For more stories, investment opportunities, and information, check out our website at millionairesunveiled.com. See you next time when you'll hear from another everyday millionaire.